Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello there. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Lindsay and Krista. As always, just really glad you're here. We are riding solo dolo today. We've had a lot of requests for a solo episode. And so here we are. Feels good. Feels good. We needed it. We get reminded. We're like, some of our friends will message like, I just listened to the beginning. And it's like, yeah, I guess that's like, good hey, too. listen to the whole thing, would you? I'm like, hey, listen to the end. We need those clicks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Almost 30. You don't need to be 30 to listen. You don't need to be 30 to be part of our community. We've been doing this for about six or seven years now. And we have a beautiful brand and community of people all over the world that are interested in supporting themselves and their conscious evolution. So we talk about things like wellness and spirituality and relationships is one of the topics that we've often talked about on the show. It was a huge focus at the beginning. We would go through dating profiles and go on dating apps for Lindsay and <laughs> I would like just... recount my dates. Yes. Lindsay it was would give all the tea. It was cringe. It was a little cringe, but mm-hmm. fun. I know a lot of people related to what we were kind of moving through and talking about. But when I look back, I'm like, damn, no one consented to me talking about them on the podcast. Did you have names for them? I forget if we had names for them. Like, did you, yeah. did you have nicknames? I always had nicknames. Just like between friends, I would. And then on the pod, yeah, I had a nickname. I don't think I shared this one on the pod of like this one guy that I dated briefly. I called him Poppins because like he would always carry this like huge Mary Poppins looking umbrella. That's amazing. Anyway. It's funny because nicknames, there's actually scientific studies that prove that when you have a nickname with your partner in a relationship, you're more likely to have a relationship that lasts longer. Mm -hmm. But then there is also like the nickname that you don't use to their face that people kind of disrespectful. Yeah, it's almost like a. I think we got that from Sex in the City because Sex in the City was Uh, like, oh, this mm -hmm. is big. This is Burger. This is Mm -hmm. all of the men's names. And you would kind of like have them more like characters. And it is like a Sex in the City thing that I think is where we got it because now so many people do that. So many people kind of reference the person that they're dating as like a nickname. And it kind of keeps you, especially at that age. So at that point, when we started the pod, we were in our late 20s, like 27, 28. And I was still kind of like- too old for this shit. <laughs> Anyways, too old. But I was like kind of fucking around. So like the nicknames between friends about the people that you're dating kind of kept it in this like surface level, fun- not really serious, not really allowing the feelings to drop in, not really allowing the challenges that you're experiencing or like whatever to actually be felt. I found that that was one of my tactics where I'm like, let's just talk shit about this or laugh about this every day rather than actually show up for potentially a relationship that's starting. You know what I mean? Well, it's rejecting them before they reject you. And it's just, yeah, it's like keeping away from intimacy. But through the journey of us talking about relationships. We've talked about falling in love. We've talked about breakups. We've talked about various parts of the relationship process. And I think our journey with Almost 30 has made it become more of the emotional component rather and like the depth and the intimacy and the opportunity for growth that relationships provide. Relationships are just like a really beautiful opportunity to grow. And it's been my deepest growth in my life is through relationship and within relationship. And part of that process means breakups and means moving on and means stepping forward into a new life and a new you and a new experience without that person and really redeveloping your sense of self. And so in this episode today, Lindsay and I wanted to talk about the invitation, the invitation that you have into a new life and into a new experience and into a new version of you that will require you to potentially move on from a person or 
level up in a lot of different ways that sometimes feels uncomfortable, but ultimately will be for your greatest good. Yeah, it's really interesting to like think about my and our like evolution of how we've approached relationships where I think again, like in our 20s, it was very much about anytime it got hard, it was like, it was this runaway, this kind of things should feel perfect all the time. And if they're not, something's wrong. And what I've realized in conscious friendships, conscious romantic relationships, even conscious business partnerships is that it absolutely will feel sticky at points, but there's a difference between a misalignment, that feeling you get when it's misaligned and the discomfort of growth potential, you know, and I think getting older and being in our thirties now, that's been the discernment for me where I'm like, okay, like really, what does that feel like? Getting to know that feeling and being able to identify that feeling in relationship and being able to lean in rather than lean out in those moments, yeah, has just made all the difference and shown me why being in relationship is what we're meant to be in as human beings. Friendship, romantic, all the things. It's really meant to show us who we are, show us who we're not, and really like show us our capacity to love. We can love ourselves, but when you actually extend it to another human being who's different than you, who challenges you, it's, it's powerful. That reminds me just like when you extend your love to another human being and you lose control over the experience, and that's what the real risk is when you are like, I'm going to love you. And there's a risk that you could not love me back. You could hurt my feelings. You could break up with me. You could cheat on me. You could do all these things. That's when it's like real love. Real love involves a risk in your life and your experience. And I remember my old process with breakups in my 20s and even in college. I would always have backups. Me and my friends would always say, always have backups. And you'd always have like a backup person on the wings, just like ready to hop scotch in your life and just be your next partner. And I haven't been single. You know, I was started dating someone when I was 14. I've been in long-term relationships pretty much my whole life between two years in high school a few times and then college six years and then a few years. It's just like a whole thing. And so I would always have someone that would be waiting, whether it was an ex that I would go back to for the interim time. You know, you always just see what the ex is up to. You're always like, I know somebody that's going to be around and that's my ex. (laughs) And it would be that dance. So like with the exes, you always would like roster check your exes. And it's funny because at my age now, when I went through my separation, I can't roster check my exes because they're like, fully have children in a family. I'm like, dude, it would be illegal. (laughs) It would be illegal. There was someone I even talked to from my high school and I was like, damn, I'm like roster checking someone from high school. And I'm like, but as an adult, it just isn't, it's weird. You're like, this is what? Like, but hey, there's always that chance. There's there's always always the chance. chance. I've heard of it a lot. And you have to approach it so much differently when you get older. A hundred percent. Yeah, you have to you have to identify very quickly the old patterns because they'll come in like the old patterns or the old stories, especially as you step into a season that either you haven't been in in a while, you've never been in. I feel like the primal part of your mind is like, whoa, where are we? And then the old stuff comes in to try and familiarize you with this moment. And it's like, wait, I'm not that person anymore that's going to like late night text someone or text an ex or whatever it is, it's hard because it takes such sharp awareness in the moment during a time when things are kind of like flipped upside down a little bit for better or worse. It can be a really joyous time, but it can be very disorienting. Yeah. So the old pattern was really to find any way to distract or numb or not feel because I think that pattern actually, when I'm really thinking about it, was created after my first heartbreak. And if you've had your heart broken in a real way, there's really nothing like it, especially the first one. And there's a lot of neuroscience around your experience of your first heartbreak and how crazy and painful it is and how impactful it is. But after you have that first heartbreak, you're like, yo, anything but that, anything but feeling like half of my body has been taken from me and there's no reason to live and I have no hope and 
love is lost and all of those things. So it was almost like the rest of the breakups was anything to do to avoid that type of experience and feeling. And even in this experience, I remember thinking like, okay, when we made the decision to separate, thinking, wow, I'm going to go into that same stage or experience of my first heartbreak. And it's been so different to be in a stage of a conscious separation with someone where we've been super present and mindful for it. And also to be at a place where my work is to stay when it's uncomfortable. That's the growth. The growth happens in the moments where you want to text someone to fill the void or you want to eat to numb or you want to do whatever escapist thing there is to get you away from feeling. And really just being with it and feeling is really the whole process and such an important part of the invitation when you do go through a breakup. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling anytime either I would break up with someone or they would break up with me, it was like, and this goes for like friendship and romantic, I was so focused on what the, it said about me. I would turn very self-loathing where I'm like, what could you have done differently? Just second guessing everything, whether it was my choice or not, because I was just feeling so much. I was feeling picking up on what the other person was feeling or might be feeling. I was picking up on what others thought of this situation. I was just like a sponge in the worst way. And I would just direct all of that towards myself because I didn't feel like I had the right to blame is the wrong word, but kind of like justify it. This person was disrespectful and actually it wasn't aligned. I just for some reason, I didn't yeah. feel the power and confidence to do that because breaking up, quote, quote, is like a bad thing. I didn't really realize the value of letting go and moving on and how relationships can be purposeful for a short period of time or a limited period of time. So that was a huge thing that I felt like just kept me really stuck. Yeah, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were talking about a breakup. They're like, I don't want to break up because I don't want to have another failure. And I'm like, I know mm -hmm. every relationship could technically be seen as a failure unless you're with your first person you kissed when you were five on the totally. playground. Like, it's <laughs> like every relationship is going to end eventually mm -hmm. unless it's or go through ebbs and flows or go through different seasons and the more that we can accept that fact and that nothing is ever permanent and we hold on to this belief that a relationship, if it's not marriage, is a failure. And almost seeing marriage as the ultimate expression of what mm -hmm. a successful relationship is. Because I know there's a lot of people too that are like, I just want to be married and I just want to be married. And coming from someone that was married, once you're married, you're married. And that means actually the journey has just begun. <laughs> And it's not like when you have the decision made and you have the rings on and you had the ceremony, the relationship gets any easier or the relationship becomes something that you don't have to work at or you don't have to put effort in. It's like then you have the rest of your life to maintain and sustain a healthy, loving relationship that you feel really good and that you feel really proud of. And that takes a lot of work, effort, self-awareness, whatever the process is. But it's never just a destination. A relationship is never a destination where you can like just end there and it's all mm -hmm. good. I think we often think that, especially when we've been broken up with or especially when we're in a single season or we have something, we can really see things as way better than what they were too. And I think that's another thing that people often do right when they get into the season where they have the breakup. I've probably done this myself, is you romanticize the good parts of the relationship you were just in you're like, oh my gosh, it was this, it was that. We had such great chemistry. We had such great sex. They were so kind. They were so loving. My parents loved them, whatever the thing is. And we forget about all the reasons why we did break up and all the reasons why it didn't work. And for that reason, for a lot of the relationships I was in, less so this one, actually this one maybe, but I would write down all the things that were wrong in the relationship and have it as a way to look back whenever I felt myself wavering and just reminding myself like, oh yeah, I didn't feel seen or I, you know, that really didn't work for us or this really wasn't like a thing that felt good. So you can have that reminder because I think as a way to continue our self-hatred and self-loathing and to see ourselves as the problem or that's for me what I do. I always see myself as the problem or the perpetrator 
or someone that has done something bad, if a relationship ends, to remind myself like, oh, there was actually two people involved and there was more issues than I think right now in my mind when I'm romanticizing this connection. Yeah, definitely. And depending on how long you were with that person, I think it's that part of you that wants to justify that time and energy spent where it's like, it was, oh man, it was so good. What was that? You know, there, there's that part of you that kind of wants to justify that. And just on the failure piece real quick, like I think an important growth point or something to really fully feel in your body in every relationship that you're in right now is that there is no such thing as a failure within a relationship, whether it lasts a month or 10 years. There is a very specific purpose to each relationship that you are in. Your soul has chosen these relationships to help you to evolve, to allow you to experience yourself and God in and through these various relationships. And so I totally understand these moments of like, well, I cheated or he cheated on me and that was a total failure. And absolutely that has that quality to it. And I'm sure if we allow time to pass and we step back and really allow the experience to move us and change us, like it was for your greatest and highest good that you found that out that you are moving on in the way that you are, that you have been inspired to do certain healing work because of it. So I just wanted to say that because I think we can be so focused on, and this is another thing that comes up in the wake of a breakup, which is like perfection. Like, well, the next time it has to be perfect. I have to be perfect by the time I meet my next person. I have to heal all the things that I feel like we're wrong with me in the last relationship or that person called out in me that we're wrong with me. And I was reading Shalina Ayana's book, Becoming the One, and she says that seeking perfection is a strategy to self-protect. It's like a sneaky way to stay separate from love, she says, to affirm an old story, to avoid exposing our wounds. And I'm definitely someone, and I feel like we both are in different ways, like where we just, yeah, we seek that perfection, whether it's in others or in ourselves, and it becomes this like prison where we're unable to fully experience the joy and expansiveness of a moment or a relationship or something in passing that is for us because we're so focused on what needs to be perfect. I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, if you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. <laughs> Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, uh, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, so let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, so I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. 
I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. Um, it's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. Okay. I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app. Um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just, I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. Yeah, I think the perfectionism piece is huge and that goes along with control. And I, I realized that I was talking to a friend a few months ago, she was going through a breakup and she's like, okay, now I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this healing thing. I'm going to see this person. I'm going to work with this thing. I'm going to start working out in this way. I'm going to start eating in this way. I'm going to go back to doing this. I'm going to do this. I'm like, oh, you can just feel and see the inner child just spinning around trying to control the circumstances because they feel rejected or abandoned and trying to figure out what makes me feel loved. And I feel loved when I feel perfect or when I feel like I'm doing all of the things. I'm working out. I'm eating well. I'm seeing friends. I'm doing well at work. I'm succeeding in all these things. And it's such a pattern that I think so many of us have. And I have it for sure. And in so many ways that I'm been really working on and I'm really conscious about thankfully but most of my life would be like breakup hottest version of me loading you know what I mean you're like hot girl ready it's funny there's also memes about it too where girls will go through breakups and a week later be in Bali on vacation and guys are like just don't <laughs> handle it or process it in that way 
And so many of us do use the perfectionism as a way to control. We can't control the fact that we are no longer in a relationship and maybe we got broken up with and maybe we feel in pain or maybe we feel rejected or abandoned. So we're going to try and control this entire experience to make sure that we're presenting this beautiful, perfect front because we know that's what gets us love. And I found myself even after the breakup where I was like, yo, I got to be hot. I have to be, I think just hot. (laughs) I don't think I thought anything else because, yeah, I was like, I think I just need to be hot because why did it feel like there was a gap between that? Did you feel like, because sometimes when we're comfortable with someone, like it does feel like we kind of are just like, yeah. Okay. But how did you feel? I think in the part of the relationship I hadn't felt super good, but I think really it was the fact that there's going to be a new energy that I need to attract with the way that I look. So it was less so about, I guess, the relationship and how I felt in the relationship and more so about what I had perceived was part of my value worth. Mm-hmm. And I know I feel really comfortable with men. I love men. I'm really good along with men. So it's not like I've felt nervous about who I am with men or my personality and attracting a men. But I perceive that right now, being my age, living in Los Angeles, it is a jungle out there. So if I want to get someone to talk to me, that means in my mind, I have to be hot and Mm -hmm. I have to be thin and I have to be perceived in a certain way. After I talk to them, it's all fine. But it was really like, oh my God, how am I going to get someone to be attracted to me if I'm not feeling hot? Because there's so many hot girls out there. And When we go through a breakup and we're going through the process of grief or the process of the breakup, we can have thoughts like this come up where it's, okay, I need to be, whether it's an insecurity about something about how you are as a person, I need to be more this way. I need to look more this way. I need to show off more this way. I need to be more successful, whatever. All of those will come to the surface for us to really look at and for us to really be with and to eventually learn to let go and learn to integrate and know that if we continue to try and change ourselves and those aspects of ourselves that we are not deeming as lovable, then you know we're going to be attracting someone that's not essentially loving us for that either. Yeah, definitely. And just noting that LA is a very specific place to be dating, just like New York. But I feel like LA is a very specific place at the point of feeling like you need to become something else in order to be seen makes perfect sense. And I'm just talking to the heterosexual attraction realm. Men in LA, generalization, a lot of men in LA, I feel like see through people unless, I don't know if it's you look like something or you're associated with something. I don't even know. But it's like we have so many, you and we have a huge group of incredible women friends who are female friends who are in that dating era and they're like I don't feel like anyone sees me and it's like I do think there's like a specific frequency to certain areas where there's dating happening and the city kind of feeds it for better for worse so I just wanted to say that it's a generalization I don't think everyone's like that but I remember feeling that way where I was like, do I need to change like who I am in order to fucking make this happen? What is that? It's such a weird feeling. Yeah, I think the energy here is see me energy anyways. It's look at me. Who are you? Who am I? How can I be Mm -hmm. more seen vibe all the way through, whether dating or not? But there is an interesting dynamic between men and women here. It's like I can't really – it's very interesting. I don't really see – yeah, just like the balance of polarities is very interesting. I don't even mm-hmm. I don't even really know. But so when you go through the process, I think is what we're saying of the breakup. It's like being mindful of the strategies and the ways in which the parts of you will deploy ways to keep yourself safe or ways to find control, whether that's controlling what you're eating, controlling how you're spending your time, controlling through workouts, controlling through lots of self-help, overworking all of those things because we're going to probably find ways to either numb, avoid, or to control the experience because we feel out of control when we don't know where our next step is in life or we don't know where we're headed. Because a lot of times when we are with a partner, we feel like we know the future and we feel like we have control over the future because we have that other person. And so when we lose that person, we almost feel like we're out of control. And then there's this sense that there are eyes on you too. So like, when you step into this unknown, 
you might be really excited, super proud of yourself for making this decision in the wake of it, which you should be, especially stepping out of something unaligned. There can all of a sudden be this feeling that either people don't understand your decision or maybe they don't just understand where you are in your life right now. Or maybe you feel societal pressure. Maybe you feel like you're getting older. The time, the clock is ticking. You might feel all of these really sneaky, insidious pressures that start to creep in and become these thought forms in your mind, and they're really not yours. And to be aware of those and to be aware of the subsequent like shoulds that develop. I should become more hot. I should do this. Just being aware of when those come up because oftentimes you're operating on a very distorted someone else's society's template that is certainly not yours. So you've proven in your decision to break up or to step away from a relationship or even if you're the one being broken up with, you know, that you have the ability to trust your path and you have the ability to be on your path. And so in these moments of vulnerability in this unknown space, like notice when you feel tempted to give in to those pressures and be overwhelmed by them because they're certainly not yours, but it's easy at this time to pick up on them and feel like you need to service those pressures. Yeah, when you become single, it's almost like an identity shift to be like, I am single now. I am in the single realm. I am a single person. I'm part of the single experience. And then people can sort of apply a lot of ideas to that Mm -hmm. or have a lot of pressures of being single. People perceive people that are single a certain way. There's like a whole thing about being single. I think when everyone's single, they're always like, you're going to find your person or you'll be in a relationship. It's like, what? Yeah. It's a very weird reaction. Yeah. It's like always the assumption that like you're waiting for someone or you want to be with someone or always the assumption that you desire to be in a relationship or that it's sad that you're not. It's like, uh, no. (laughs) It says so much more about the other person than it does about you. Totally. And the timing thing is huge, I think, especially for women around our age or whatever age. Mm the belief that you need to be somewhere at a certain period in time. And I remember when we started Almost 30, we kind of had the conversation around the belief that we had to be a certain somewhere, even at that time, that we had to be married with children in certain jobs and certain careers with a certain amount of money in our bank account, a certain amount of success, a certain amount of happiness level, a certain look, whatever it was. And it can be hard when your path doesn't go the way that you planned. And oftentimes the way that you planned is planning from a 12-year-old version of you (laughs) or a 15-year-old version of you because the sort of life that I had planned for myself when I look back was probably planned from a version of me that was very young Mm -hmm. and very naive and honestly needed to dream bigger for her life and needed to think outside the box of what is actually possible and didn't really know what was possible. And when you get older, when you realize what is possible for your life and what is possible for your friendships and for your relationships and for the way you are with yourself and for the way you are with God or for the way you are with the world, there's so much more available to you than I think you ever thought. And so the new season of the breakup when you are stepping into being single and the invitation is for it to actually be the best season of your life, an opportunity for you to recalibrate all of the energy that you might have lost or energy that you might have given away or energy that might have been siphoned, the opportunity for you to call back all parts of you from all different places and spaces and time, the opportunity for you to really allow yourself to be in magnetism because you've made an aligned decision for you that's only going to support your highest good because you consciously choose to have this be something that is going to support your growth and support you in a way that helps your life positively, that can be a choice that we all make. And that really Mm -hmm. is part of why we wanted to do this episode is like, how can we choose the things that are hard to us? How can we choose our hard so that it's like this breakup, this relationship, this friendship breakup is something that I do not really want to do. I'm scared about, but I'm still going to do it because I know the future version of me is going to be better off not being in this friendship. 
or not being in this relationship or having better boundaries with my family. And that choice of being conscious about it will change your entire life and perspective because then you can really see these things happened for me because I'm choosing it, because I'm choosing the learnings, I'm choosing the lessons, I'm choosing the ways that I want to integrate everything that I've been through in a way that supports me being a more compassionate, empathetic, deep, dynamic person than ever before. Yeah, beautifully said. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Uh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. I think the choosing part is such a theme of this season of people's lives as they step in where maybe for a long time, like you felt like you've just kind of been victim of your life, which is not the truth, but that's how it feels where it's like, how did I get here? How did I end up in this relationship? How did I end up in this job? How do I end up with this group of friends that I feel so unaligned with? And you were meant to experience that contrast, but I just remember feeling such a sense of self when I was able to confidently choose for me and like really feel into, does this feel like my heart is choosing this, like my soul is choosing this? Once I became aware of like what the soul was, I was like, oh yeah. And it didn't always make sense to people. And I became quickly okay with that because of the feeling that it generated. I was so just enamored with this new feeling of, oh yeah, this is to like live a line. This is to live like a soul-led life. And it becomes just how you live your life. And your soul will lead you eventually to the next aligned relationship that is going to just crack open your heart and experience and show you aspects of your life that you never thought were possible. But in order to get there, you really have to be in the choosing of for yourself before anything else. Yeah, because at the stage of post-breakup where you're kind of in the grieving process and you're really looking forward to your new beginning, this is when there's more unknown than ever. There's more unknown about who you're going to be with, about if you're going to have a family where you're going to live, what they're going to be like. It's like a brand new journey. It's a clean slate and it's a real, it's really exciting if you think about it. And something that Lindsay and I really want to bring through our work in the book that we're writing is about change and is about our relationship with change and how if we can see change as the opportunity to bring good change, to bring through the change that will lead us to something that feels more soul aligned and more conscious and more loving and more us, then we can see all of these things like breakups as the new beginning and as the part of our life that will really bring us to something better and more joyful and more exciting because the possibilities that we have really increase. They get better. They get more exciting. It gets just really, really beautiful. And I've been really excited because I'm like, wow, I had a, a great relationship that had its journey through the 10 years. 
But I'm like, oh my gosh, the possibilities are endless for my new life, where I could live, what they could be like, what our family could be like, what they're going to bring into my life. And when you think about how important the person that you marry is as one of the biggest decisions of your life, maybe the biggest, per some psychologists that speak to the choice quite often that I love to listen to, it's going to be something that really impacts you. So I'm so amazing right now and I'm trying to really just integrate and be with myself. Who am I and what am I going to be like when I have the possibility of someone so amazing stepping into my life, making my life better, making my life easier, making my life more profound and prolific than it already is. It can be really, really exciting rather than something that feels like we've lost. And I think when we think about grief and grief is really the feeling of loss from losing someone through death or through relationship transition, there can be a lot of grief that comes up when you break up from someone, whether it's a family friend or romantic relationship. And grief is very natural. It's very natural for us to grieve the potentials, the possibilities, the what ifs, the shoulds, the coulds, the woulds. And the emotional suffering that we go through is all on purpose, but it can also be integrated with a real excitement for what's to come. I was in a circle with the people in the Sacredness program. We do like a monthly circle. And I had someone there who had recently broken up with someone. They had moved out, gotten their own place. And in our time together over the course of maybe like two or three months, I remember she started out just feeling like, I don't want to rush to feel like happy and good right now. You know, I think a lot of people kind of either are pressuring me to feel that way or I'm pressuring myself to feel that way. Because it is like a a good decision. Like I feel good about my decision, but I just don't want to bypass the feelings that I'm really feeling, which is a really beautiful reflection. And then catching up with her more recently, she was in a place of just saying and declaring similar to what you just said, where it's like, I am believing that good is coming. And it was really simple. It's like, good is coming. I'm like, yeah, good is coming. But I felt from her like this shift in her belief because I think before that or in the interim, kind of in this like wake of the breakup, you kind of doubt that you could experience something better. Like you doubt like that capacity that you can hold something better because you've just gone through a breakup or you doubt that you're deserving of that. And it was just really cool for her to like full body feel like, yeah, like actually better is coming, like a more just full, beautiful life is coming in the form of opportunities and relationship and experiences. And I think even just that like slight shift of expecting good can be super, super powerful because we don't realize that the mind is often expecting the worst. I've been getting into Neville Goddard's work and a lot of his work is a lot of what so many law of attraction people teach now and even a lot of Joe Dispenza stuff and it's around the law of assumption. And so it's assuming the best. It's really like how we assume the best. So in this breakup season, the law of assumption would say, I assume that this is leading me to something better. This is leading me to something more beautiful. But the experience of the person in the sacredness of being single circle, having that moment where they really are present to what is, is so important because healing cannot happen without honesty first. And if we bypass the self, that's really when we can get ourselves in trouble. And in my internal family systems study that I've been doing, we learned about these things called not self parts. And these not self parts try and act like the self. So we have our highest self, we have that core that core version of self, the very perfect version of self that always knows, that's always there. And then we have these other aspects that can present as the self. And these could be parts like the wise part. And the wise part would be a part of us that's like, because of all of this pain and suffering, I'm learning compassion for others, or there's a silver lining to all of this. And I know this is for my greatest good. And behind every rain cloud is a rainbow. And that type of thing, where those are all true in the end. But if we bypass the experience of the grief or the pain, 
then we're actually not being completely honest and we're actually harming another part of ourselves that is in pain right now and that doesn't want to maybe see compassion or see empathy or see joy or see the good in this whole situation. And so I think that's a really important point is actually being where you're at in your grief process and being really honest about where you're at in your grief process because I think what happens is the process of pain of a breakup will be prolonged if we're not honest with ourselves throughout. And if we actually, in that honesty, can't give ourselves the time and space to be with that feeling or emotion instead of just intellectualizing it because we can say, I'm not happy, I'm not okay, and then kind of move on and try and just stay in the mind. But if we actually are with that and can work with that feeling and can move it through our body and can be with the fullest expression of that in where we are, I think that's really how we can, the only way we can move on from it. Yeah. It's like this process of becoming like less and less afraid of the self. Yeah. Because there are like aspects of either who we are or how we move through things or experience things that we're like kind of afraid of. We kind of think are ick. And to be able to like move through these emotional thresholds and really stay by our own side and allow it to be fully felt anytime that I've allowed that to happen, especially like over the last five years in my 30s, it's like, oh, that's the shit. Like that is what brings me closer to myself. It's, yes, the joyful moments do wonders, but I'm like, damn, like when I'm really able to be what I need in a moment and not just stuff it down because I'm afraid to feel it fully, it's like, yeah, those are the moments that like our soul for sure is like, yes, like this is it. This This is the stuff, you know. Yeah, because our soul over wanting us to be happy wants us to be free. And to be free, we have to be in truth of where we are, you know, and there's like levels to the truth too, because the one could present as this is horrible, I'm not doing well, and that could be true. But then there could be a part of it where it's like, is there a truth that this was something that you subconsciously wanted or subconsciously were co-creating or whatever, but So it's been, I think, like six months, maybe longer. I'm not sure. Maybe a year. Maybe. I know. Time is very weird. It's weird. Actually, was I ever even in a relationship? (laughs) I don't even know how much the time was. But recently, Lindsay and I were in New York for writing our book, which was so much fun. We were in Hudson Valley, and it was really beautiful, and it was so nice. And so far, I've been really great with how I've been feeling. I actually did a lot of processing of the relationship before we had made the decision And I did things like the darkness retreat, which really gave me time and space to be in full experience of my feelings and emotions. And I've really been giving myself permission. And when we were in Hudson Valley, we got an interview on Friday. So we came back into the city and I had to fly out to Portugal that night. I was going on a trip to Portugal with some friends. And I remember coming into the city and we drove right past and we walked right past where I had got engaged. And I was like, oh my God, how divine that we had randomly been in the area where I had been proposed to years ago. And I cellularly was like reclaiming an aspect of myself or being with an aspect of myself that I had not yet been with. And I was so emotional. Oh my gosh. I was like inconsolable in a way that was so cellular and so beyond what I would have ever thought I had been feeling, you know, as someone that's like, I'm just cruising along, all is well. And then to feel that was so intense. And that night I left for Portugal and I was really excited about the trip. It was really great and I was excited to go. But Portugal is a great place. I've been a few times, but it's not my favorite place on earth. And the friends that I was going with, I love deeply, but I'm not super close to them. So it is kind of a risk to go on a vacation with people that you're not in deep intimate relationship with when you're in the kind of portal that I'm in. But on the trip, we were halfway through the trip and I had been crying every night. Every single night I've been just that type of feeling where you like fold over crying, where you're like, oh, this feels like, where you kind of are puking silently. You're like, you know, it's like just all of it. 
But it was so perfect because we had our own rooms and I loved them deeply and they would have been there if I asked or requested. But because I didn't know them well enough for them to know the full trajectory of my relationship with Justin, I was able to just be with my body and my emotions and not be in the mind. And I know that the way that I am, if I had friends there, we would have probably been together. We would have been talking about it. And I probably would have been way more in the mind than I needed to be. I really just needed to be with myself and my feelings. And I actually didn't need to be held. I didn't need to be mirrored. I didn't need to have anything be said. It just needed to come out. And halfway through the trip, I still was kind of like, I didn't really know why I was there. I was kept asking God. I'm like, I understand I'm here for fun and pleasure, but I really don't know why I'm here because it's just a lot to go across the world on a trip. And my sister texted me that day and she's like, I can't believe it's your wedding week. And, you know, two years ago we were at your wedding and I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm here to originally have recalled aspects of my soul in New York where I got engaged with you and have my heart open for that experience and then spend the week where I didn't even realize that it would have been my wedding week in a space where I could really feel and be with my emotions and heal and be in the depths of my feeling in a way that I don't think I would have had access to in Los Angeles or even with people that know my journey because it's a very tender place and oftentimes people try and support your grief by telling you things like, you're better off, you're going to have someone more aligned coming, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I actually didn't need that. I just needed to be with the body. And I was so grateful because I just felt the hand of God in my life where I was like, wow, I didn't know why I was going to Portugal. We didn't really have the interview planned for a long time. The trip just happened in this beautiful symphony where I was like, whoa, I could really be supported in my healing. I could be supported when I'm saying yes and I don't really know why too. And just trust that like my process for the grief has been so purposeful. And it's actually been so nice because it's given me the opportunity too to know that whenever the next relationship comes around, you know, whenever that timing is, I'm going to be fully there in like mind, body, and soul because my body has been able to release cellularly all the things it needs to. And I'm able to express and I'm able to be and I'm able to feel and I'm able to just actually fully be aligned in all three centers in the next experience rather than being like, oh yeah, this is my wedding anniversary. I'm going to have an emotional experience about this. And then I'm going to go on a date that night with someone new. It's like, I've been able to be fully present with the process. And I'm so proud of that. And I'm so proud of my journey with really honoring this in the way that it should be and being gentle and slow and not rushing. And yeah, I'm not a patient person at all. That's my... Achilles heel, to be honest. It's really, really bad. But with this, I've been able to be more patient with myself, I think, than anything else. Mm. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Just as your friend and knowing how measured you've just approached this whole process is different. Like you said, like you're kind of impatient and I think you move very quickly generally. And so it's been really beautiful to just see you be guided through this not need to stronghold it or control it and yeah i mean god is good and the symphony piece when you said that i it just makes me think of those moments in life where it doesn't mean that everything's happening perfectly it's not like everything's roses and the birds are chirping it's like on a deep cellular level and in your heart, you are literally taking part in a life that is just divinely orchestrated and it all makes, quote, sense, but on a cellular level. It's not like in the mind. It's like I am completely taken care of and I am completely in my life, you know, us on that walk and you feeling what you are feeling and just like allowing yourself to feel 
a lot of people would like run away from that feeling. Be like, I can't feel that, which I understand because it's so big. But for that walk to happen in the place that we were and for the feelings to come up, for you to allow, I mean, it is literally like just this movement of life that is what feels like the goal, you know, <laughs> feels like the goal to like live your life like that and allow your life to like actually move in that way rather than how you think it should be. Yeah. And it's like we're walking in Brooklyn midday. I am like a mess crying and I'm like, I don't even care. I'm just like, who knows, whatever. But I'm so grateful for the darkness to really show me the edges of of my feeling and know that I can make it over the hump, the fear that like, oh, no, 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 no. And when we think about a child and a baby and a child and a little person and how often when they cry, it's like, they're like, no, 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 no. And how often we like, no, 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 ourselves. And how often we like stop and stifle and prohibit and prevent ourselves from really feeling for fear of like what would happen. And now I've been able to go over that hump enough times where I know I can make it over and still be alive and safe and whatever is so nice because I know that for so long that was the fear of like, oh, if I start to feel, when is it going to end? If I start Mm -hmm. to feel, I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to be in this place forever. So the grief part of the invitation process and allowing ourselves to be in our heart is really part of the magnetism because when we're in our heart and when your heart open, it means that your heart will break and it means that your heart will break open and you will have this really beautiful space of like clarity and honesty and truth and you will attract such beautiful things to you and your life. It's just been really, really nice to have more trust about the journey of my life because I know that my heart is open after it's been broken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really, it's been really beautiful to witness as your friend. I think just to round this out, I'd love to talk about just some ways in which just tactical and or less tactical ways in which we can just continue to tend to our being. I was going to say healing. And I'm just mindful of like kind of that feeling of like never ending. <laughs> feeling like, do I have to be healed in order to fill in the blank? But yeah, I feel like one of the really powerful practices that I've talked about before and we talk about in sacredness, but this really applies like friendship breakups, romantic breakups, and that is being able to have a practice of dating yourself. And that really is the the ability to be with yourself and not distract or put something in between you and experiencing you. And it's not easy. It's a little bit of a crunchy process in the beginning But I always just really empower people to design something that excites you. It doesn't have to be like you go to a bar by yourself and stand at the bar, sit at the bar and have dinner. Make sure to get a wax before your date with yourself. (laughs) Wax it up, shave it up, get ready to look good. (laughs) Like it, it can truly be anything and I want it to excite you. Like maybe going to the farmer's market on a Sunday morning by yourself and then like bringing some of the goodies to a little park and having a little snack time with yourself and reading and I want it to excite you but this is like a lifelong practice this is not just when you're single or in between friendships or what have you like this is something that I feel like is such a healthy part of being in relationship and you will begin to attract people who respect this practice and probably have it themselves I've had friends in my life that felt very uncomfortable with the fact that I was like totally okay being alone, like more often than not, and would kind of do this practice. And those friendships kind of morphed and dissolved a little bit because I was really seeking people who could respect it and also cultivate that for themselves because there's a there's just like a frequency to that type of person and how they are in relationship that felt really good. Because they were like responsible for their own experience. And 
I think that's one of the main things that that practice has helped me with, especially in relationships. So dating yourself, whether it's once a week, maybe every few weeks, just having that in your calendar, putting it in there and treating it like you would a date with another person or an appointment or a work thing. Like it is just as important, if not more important, and giving yourself time and space. It doesn't have to just be an hour. Like you can have a whole afternoon and you can plan some things and then intuitively move through the day in other ways. So yeah, it just, it's changed my life. And I think that if you can practice that now, you will set a new healthy tone in relationships for the rest of your life. Yeah. I witnessed you do that and it was so beautiful. Like you would go on weekend retreats and dinners and you would cook yourself dinner. Just really, really powerful. And I need to do that. I keep doing that, but inviting friends. I'm like, I'm dating myself, but I have a friend that's coming with me. Come along and watch me. <laughs> Literally, I'm dating myself, but I'm with three women. And it's just, yeah, I need to be, or I not need to be. I desire more solitude. And I know that that's a huge part of the process of the whole invitation. And I think really it's like just tending to both parts, you know, from again, an internal family systems perspective, it's like there is a part of you that's scared. There's a part of me that's scared for sure. There's a beautiful aspect of me that has fear around this new season. And then there's another part of me that exists that is so excited and is so pumped and is so grateful and is so proud. Those could be many parts actually, but if we had two parts, it's like knowing and understanding and loving the part of us that's scared loving, honor, and accepting. If you want to do EFT tapping, you could listen to our episode with Brad Yates we did on tapping. That could be supportive of that. And then also just like encouraging and watering and feeding the part of you that really is excited and knows and is really pumped about the next step in your journey. There could be a lot of work that you're going to do um, in journaling or manifestation or list writing or energetics. You could do some subconscious reprogramming. This could really be a place where you do look at the time, the extra time you have on your calendar, and you do use it to pour back into yourself. Obviously, being mindful of not using all the self-care and self-development practices as an act of self-hate, but really an act of self-love and finding more time and space to like pour into yourself and become the version of you that you want to be. Because I realized in my journey in the end, this is going to really lead me further to the person that I want to be and the person that I'm destined to be because I made a hard decision for myself that a lot of people wouldn't do and a lot of people wouldn't have chose. And knowing that I've chosen myself when it's hard is like the, it's like a drug, baby. It's truly a drug. Yeah. And you just build so much confidence. And so reminding yourself that you've built so much confidence and self-love through what seems sticky and tricky. Definitely. Oh, how do we feel? Amazing. So- <laughs> Lindsay and I want to extend an invitation for you to join our workshop series. So we actually have a workshop series we did on this entire process. It is available at almost30.com. So you can go to almost30.com slash the invitation. It's a three-part workshop series on the breakup process. So on how to know when to let go and the actual breakup. So the conversation, whether you're receiving the conversation, whether you are doing the breaking up, whether you are processing multiple conversations, and then also this grieving process, the grieving process of a breakup, which can be really long and sometimes painful, and then bringing it to the invitation to your new life. It's such a beautiful workshop that Lindsay and I did that felt so on purpose and felt so aligned to all the work that Lindsay does with our amazing community at Almost 30 and through Sacredness of Being Single. And then through the lessons and learnings that I've gone through in my divorce process. So within the invitation, there's a three-part video series that you can watch at any time. So you can watch it in your privacy. Lots of people who are still in relationships have been going through the program because they're preparing themselves for the breakup. So you can do it in the privacy mm -hmm. of your own home. And you can get really tactical tips and takeaways and energetic support through this entire series. And you can really reclaim that sense of self. You can gain more confidence and find more self-trust and alignment through it all so that it really allows you to become more of who you are in the end rather than breaking you. And it's beautiful. You'll hear from people who attended the workshop live. It will be anonymous, but you'll hear their stories and questions and fears. And I think 
being in the community that we're in, it's it's been such a huge part of the growth and healing is to witness other people kind of moving through their process. You can see yourself in one another. So I think that's a really beautiful part of the workshop as well. So again, it's almost30.com slash the invitation and you'll have access to that forever. Yeah, it's such a good one. I had someone at my equine retreat who was in the invitation. Her name was Mariah and she was incredible. She was like, yeah, it was so powerful. And I know so many people are going through relationship transitions and breakups right now. It's just been quite the season. So we're here to support you. We wanted to share everything that we've learned and everything that's been really supportive for us and our community in a way that can really impact your life and set you up for a really beautiful, more whole, loving future. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to another solo with me and Krista. We love doing these. If you ever have a request for yeah. a topic or have a question, please, please send them our way. We're going to be doing more of these as the year goes on. We're kind of going back to our roots. Just you and me, baby. Maybe we'll even record from our closet floors just for the effect. But thank you for being just such a loyal listener. We love you. We know there's a lot of options out there. And the fact that you've been drawn to almost 30, we don't take for granted and we know it's for a reason. So please make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to just dig in a little bit more with me and Krista and our community, you can also join our membership. Go to almost30.com slash membership. And you can also join Sacredness of Being Single with Lindsay. So it is a beautiful group that meets monthly in circles. So you can connect in community with people that are going through their single season. It has amazing content. It's like nothing like you've ever seen. You can find that at almost30.com. Almost 30 podcast on TikTok, almost 30 podcast on Instagram. We have morning microdose if you need a daily dose. And then we'll see you guys at camp. So camp is our free online virtual event happening on July 22nd. Go to almost30.com. You'll find basically everything that we've talked about. I know it's a lot (laughs) on the website and we love you. We will see you on the next one. Thank you for being a part of our lives and in our community. Thank you all. See you soon.